Amen. What drives you? What drives you? That's uh, the title of my message, and, and I'm going to try and stay on point. Um, but I was, man, I was in the middle of spiritual warfare during worship. And I'm like, this is not what I wanted, God. I just want to come, have a good time, preach. I don't want to be in spiritual warfare right now. This is really inconveniencing me. Have you ever been there? This, the, the ministry of inconvenience, man. Like God's like, I know what you want to preach, but it, I'm going to change it a little bit. So I'm all right, God. I guess you can do that. That's supposed to be funny. Amen. Uh, but it's still what drives you. See, in a, in a congregation this big, I know that there's people that are driven by hurt. I've been wounded. I know there's people that have been uh, that have had trouble with greed, trouble with money, trouble with lust, trouble with the flesh. Can I buy an amen? Two people, sweet. Um, things can drive us if they're not healed. And so you really can't testify about God's grace if you've not experienced his power. Man, that just rolled right out the room. And there's a reality, church, that God wants us to experience him, not just know about him, not just to have a moment on Sunday. Amen? God wants you to be fully equipped for the work of the ministry. That's everybody, not just the worship team. Amen? And I think one of the things that we've done as an American church is we've turned this into sacred and that into secular. And this is what's holy and that's what's secular. But I want to tell you something. Can, can, can I mess with you? Because I'm going to anyways. Is it possible that what we do as Christ-centered followers is holy no matter if you've been called to the workplace or the church place that to be fully equipped in the ministry that this isn't just holy amen you're sent you're sent ones and so if you're not fully equipped if this is the only thing you, let me just give you a man's perspective okay I struggle with the new worship a little bit okay and it's not that I don't like worship. I love worship. Love it. But man, some of the worship songs, I'm like, bro, I'm not touching Jesus' face. That's kind of weird. I love Jesus, but I'm not walking up to Ken. Can I touch your face, Ken? That would be weird. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm like, this new worship music's like, it's like written as a lover. And I get it. I love it. But, but at the same time, how does that equip me to do war out there? Man, y'all got quiet. Because he is the lover of my soul, make no mistake. But he's also captain of the angel armies. He's also a warrior. He's also a holy God, amen? So I started, I started tripping on, uh, my wife was like, oh, you don't like that worship song? I'm like, no, I don't. Why not? You don't want to know. Oh, babe. So, so if, if what we do as people of God has been segregated into this is holy, this is secular, how effective can we be? 
See, this is what I have to do out there so I can do life. Well, what if it's God has sent you there to be a light? What if God, what if that's really your ministry and we're equipping you to be effective, right? Are you with me? So I haven't lost you guys? Good. So for me, it's always an amazing experience to come into a church and see Teen Challenge guys worshiping. I'm just going to say that because for me, that's just like, man, God, you're so awesome. I walked in, bumped into Ethan. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then I saw Britton. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then I saw Gabe outside, Gabriel out there with his wife. And I'm like, man, that's, that's awesome. Just think about that. You, we, we're reaching people that were unreachable. Amen. I love those memes on Facebook. I'm the one sheep God went after, right? And, and that one sheep always looks like you've been beat to death, right? But he's happy, amen? Like, I'm glad God left the 99 to go get me. So God is always reaching. Everybody say reaching. God is always reaching outside of what we call church to be the church. Amen? So I'm going to ask you again, what drives you? So for me, I love hearing the stories, all right? I love hearing stories. I love hearing people's stories. There was an actual study that they did and they were doing their mapping brain that when someone was sharing their story to another person, not only did the, the brain waves in their brain change, but it was also affecting the hearer as well. And so when we share our story... Something powerful is going on in the natural, but can I just say the spiritual component of that is much greater? Like when I share my story to people, they, they see this side. They don't, they don't see the part of when I came in a Teen Challenge looking like a Manson, you know, looking like a, an axe murderer or whatever, looking like a lost dude. They see the part speaking about Jesus, Right? But can I tell you, my, my life is not all hearts and flowers. And, and folks, you're sitting out here, your life hasn't been all hearts and flowers. Amen? There's been a battle that's been going on. But see, I can't really testify about God's grace if I've not experienced his power. So Hebrews 12, 14, and 15 says, pursue peace with everyone. You know what everyone, everyone means in Greek? doesn't mean just people in church. But you know who had the hardest time pursuing peace with each other? People in church. It is the craziest thing. Y'all know Jesus, right? Yeah, but they need Jesus more. Have you ever been there? Pursue peace with everyone as well as holiness. So there's, this tells me there's a pursuit, church, that is ongoing. This is not a destination. This is a journey. This isn't, a, this isn't a place we stop. This is something we're going to be doing probably until we go see Jesus. Pursue peace and holiness, without which no one will see God. I don't know. That's a hard word. That's a hard word. Do we agree? That's a hard word. Like, uh, wait a minute. How can I change that? No. See to it that no one... 
no one. Fall short of the grace of God. And that not that that no root of bitterness springs up defiling many. So so there's there's a lot of meat there, right? Like there's this thing of pursuit, that there's this continual journey that I'm on to pursue peace, seek holiness, amen. And then there's the other side of the job to make sure that those I'm with don't fall short of God's grace. And so that tells me that when people fall short of God's grace or they're not experiencing God's grace, bitterness is right around the corner. And I don't know if you've ever been in a church split or in a upheaval been through a couple of those, amen, even at Teen Challenge, you can have a, and I'm telling you what, those guys aren't polished Jesus people either, man, all right, when they have an uprising, you feel it, amen, it ain't just like a nasty email, you get, you get the rebuke, I mean, I've been at altar calls, church, where I'm leading people to Jesus, and God, God's moving, and get to the other end of the altar call, and get verbally assaulted, that's how you know you're doing something, right? I'm telling you, man, I, I got to share this. So uh, we're having this major move of God. I get to the other end. This guy just unloads all barrels. Like, it wasn't just a double barrel. It was like a gadling gun. And he's like, how dare you? How dare you preach to me like that? How dare you tell everybody what I'm struggling with? I was like, whoo, I'm glad you think I'm that smart. You really think that I just spent that, all that time to talk to just you? And then his face changed, and he like, then he knew he blew it, right? And then he's sitting there going, you, you, uh, and then, then the tears, and I was like, can I pray for you? I need Jesus, man. I need Jesus, man. But, man, if I hadn't experienced God's grace, and I was in the easily offended camp, how many know that could have changed to a completely different outcome? Ushers, come get this dude. Amen? What's, what drives you? What drives you? I'm trying to think if this guy went through the program with you, Gabriel. Uh, now, this is a different one. The guy that had the horns tattooed on his head. Alfred? Okay, so Alfred had done a lot of prison time, and I was preaching, and looking at the back row, and he had a whole group of guys with him. Usually on the back rows where all the almost saved are, and, and he would sit and mock me and mock God and mock the move of God, and it got me. I was like, you know what? We need to remove this dude. See, the difference between having experienced God's grace and being hurt and offended. And I was like, I got in my car, and I was just thinking of my plan of how this was going to work out. And God says, I have a plan for him. Well, then you know you're stupid, right? So I'm like, okay, God, you got a plan for him. He's like, yeah, I want you to pray for him. And I'm not talking about drive-by prayers. I want you to pray for him. I have a plan for him. Well, it wasn't a fruity, nice, good-smelling message to get from God. Can, can I get an amen? Like, you know, I'm trying to get rid of this guy, and God's telling me, no, you're not doing that. You're, you're doing this. And I'm like, 
that doesn't line up with my vision. <laughs> so I started praying for him. And I, I prayed the prayer that got prayed for me. Can I share that with you? So when I, I came to Jesus, it wasn't in a church. Okay? When I came to Jesus, <clears throat> it was in a very unfortunate thing. And, I, and I'll, share, I'll abbreviate the story. Because it's the story I tell. All right? Go to the next slide, bro. Appreciate you, Eric. The culture we live in. How, how have we got to this place where now it's normal conversations to figure out whether a little boy is going to dress in a dress or dress in pants? How did that happen? How did it happen that now the heroes are people that, that are transgender? And I'm not saying I don't love them. How did that happen? How did that happen that we live in a culture that's super hungry for the supernatural but reject a supernatural God? How did that happen? How did that happen that the stories that we see Hollywood telling The heroes they create. What are all the big box office heroes right now? You know, all the supernatural superheroes, right? And what are the things we celebrate as a culture? Now, I'm not talking about church culture. I'm talking about culture at large. We celebrate diversity. Now, that's, some of that stuff really gets me fired up. Can I just be honest with you? Like one of the airplane... Uh, uh, Airlines just came out with their, um, their main mission statement is inclusiveness and diversity. We no longer want pilots that are good. I mean, landing a plane, that's real boring, amen? We want some drama. <laughs> to me, that's just absolutely maddening that no longer are we seeking excellence, we're seeking... So somewhere church, and it wasn't that long ago, this was considered truth. It was unequivocal. This was truth. I mean, I grew up in a, a Christian school. Amen? This was truth. And then somewhere, facts became the truth. More specifically, the narrative now, I don't know if you guys re remember this, but remember the Las Vegas shootings? And then they found out, well, there was, oh, there was only one guy shooting, and then later they found out there was multiple shooters, right? And then this came out on the news, and they said, well, we didn't get the facts right, but we had the narrative. And I was like, What? I was just so irritated by that. I was like, well, we may have got the facts wrong, but the narrative was right. And so now, now it's moved to fact, but now, no, no, now it's about feelings. <laughs> I went on Google last night to find some funny stuff to share with you. You know how I like to do that. I like to bring some funnies. And I got derailed. I got derailed. I was looking for why women l live longer than men. That's like my favorite subject because men always come with these stupid things, you know, where they're jumping out a window on a broom so they can take a picture of them flying, you know, where they stack up ladders and all that stuff. But here's what it goes on Google. 
here's, there's his new. You, you can check it. Some of these memes might be offensive to certain people. I wanted to punch the screen. I'm like, are you kidding me, man? So now it's about feelings. Somewhere we've lost the biblical truth. Now, worship, love worship. I love coming together. But in Romans 12, 1, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How I think, what I think, what I think about, how I think about things. See, salvation isn't just about the prayer. Somehow we turn salvation into this, I'm going to say the sinner's prayer with you. I'm going to tell you, sozo, everybody say sozo. It's, it's not just the moment. It's the whole package. It's the emotional, amen, the spiritual. It's the financial. It's the emotion. It's all of that. God wants to save all of that. It's not just the one-time deal. And so then, then it becomes about our experience. Amen. So for me, I didn't get saved in a church. I got saved by the church. Well, what does that mean? Well, you have to know, I'm just going to read, I used to be a drug dealer, okay? And I wasn't like a really good one either. I wasn't even good at it. Like, I couldn't tell you I was a good criminal because I got caught. Right? But I did that. All right? I am a felon. All right? So my story back then was I am. Are you with me? So there was a U.S. missionary. Shout out to the U.S. missionaries in there. Amen. Uh, his name was Paul Singh, and he was a missionary to India. Okay? But at the time this went down, he was my mom's pastor. Now, my dad committed suicide. Yeah, he was your pastor too, wasn't he, Britton? That's right. So my dad committed suicide, all right? And there's a whole long list of things of how that led up to that moment. But he had a stroke, couldn't work, basically just sat and stared at the wall. We could not get him to engage. My birthday is 9-11. So I want my retroactive blessing, by the way, all right? That was funny, all right? So Lightening up the mode, telling you a serious story. So my birthday's 9-11, my mom's is 9-14, and my dad's was 9-23, and we used to celebrate together. I'm the oldest out of five boys. My dad took a revolver on my mom's birthday thinking that he was giving her a gift that she wouldn't have to take care of him anymore. And he wrote out a little paragraph of a suicide note, just really devastating because my dad was like my hero. At the time, I was in the middle of my addiction. I was in the middle of the throes of going through a divorce. Um, you know you're in bad shape when your wife joins the army. It's funny, but it's just absolutely terrible. Like, you know you're the next level loser when your wife's like, I'm out of here, Jack. Really, where are you going? I'm joining the army. I'm like, whoa. I'm in the middle of that. My dad does this. My little girl, Ashley, she was about four years old. She walked in and found him with my little brother. 
And so she remembers that to this day. She's 30, almost 33 now. And for me, I was devastated. I was emotionally devastated. I, I went, I didn't even do like brokenness. I went right to anger. But it wasn't like, I can't really describe it. It just, I don't know if I had the emotional acuity to give you what I felt. It was off the charts. So they take my dad. They took my dad, thank you, bro, to the hospital, John C. Lincoln. And my mom's pastor, Paul Singh, was like, hey, man, let me go with you because I wanted to clean up the mess for my mom. I didn't want my mom to go back into their bedroom, find the, the sheets, the blood, all that stuff. They treat it like a murder scene. So there was all this crime scene tape, et cetera, et cetera. So I went in to that situation thinking I'm, I, there's, even, even though I was not right, I still wanted to protect my mom. Amen. Still love my mom. I was really mad. And Paul, he's like, bro, I don't want you to go by yourself. I want you, I want to go with you. I want, I want to go with you to do that. And I knew Paul, and it was no secret that I was a lunatic. And there's a couple things you don't want to do as an active drug dealing addict. You don't want to talk to police. And you most definitely don't want to get in the car with a pastor. <laughs> but Paul just would not let me go. So he went with me, went back. We're taking the crime scene tape down. We're taking all of the sheets and everything. And Church, I broke down. I grabbed my dad's wallet thinking there might be money in there. That's how lost I was. And I grabbed that wallet and I opened it up and there was a dollar bill in it. And it grabbed me, and I said, I'm lost. I'm lost. I said it out loud. I'm lost. Paul comes over, grabs me, hugs me, and says, Rick, I love you. Now, I've heard my parents say, I love you. Amen? I've heard it. Heard, heard that before. But this was different, church. It messed me up. I, I'd like to tell you I got down on my knee. Oh, Jesus. I was like, <laughs> just an ugly cry. You know what I'm talking about? We're like, if someone saw you crying, it'd scare them. <clears throat> He's like, I love you, Rick. God has a call on your life. I was praying for you while we were driving here. God has a call on your life. I was like, no. No. The story we tell, the heroes we create, the things we celebrate. How do we change our culture? How has Hollywood changed our culture? The stories they tell, the heroes they create, and the things they celebrate. How do we change our culture as a church? The stories we tell, the heroes we create and the things we celebrate. What do you celebrate? What drives you? So when God told me about Alfred that I have a call on his life, it took me back to that moment where Paul said, I have a call on your life. God has a call on your life. 
I never fully realized that call in that moment. Paul's like, I want you to go to Teen Challenge. I'm like, I'm not going to Teen Challenge, Paul. He's like, well, go see a counselor there. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in Christian counseling before, but it's changed. Amen? The kind of counseling I got was very unconventional and probably right what I needed. So I went in to see this counselor from Teen Challenge. Now, he was like 955 years old. I was thinking, dude, I need help. You go and find the dustiest dude in the broom closet. Perfect. Now, you have to know, I, this is the toned-down version, amen? I, that was the unsanctified Rick, so I'm giving you the sanctified-down version of what was going on in my mind. I'm like, what in the world? And he sits me down in this dorm room, and he says, okay, pal, what do you want? Like, wait a minute, you're supposed to help me. And he's like, no, no, I want to know what you want. And then I felt like this presence I felt when Paul said, I love you. And now I was terrified. And this dude prayed. He's like, I'm going to pray for you. The counseling session lasted maybe 20 minutes. I'm going to pray for you, and then you're going to pray. Well, what kind of counseling is that, pal, you know? In my mind, I'm thinking, that's not counseling, dude. He's like, and then he talked to God like God was his friend, like God was in the house with us right there, and then I felt that presence, and then I was terrified. He said, hey, God, this is Rick. I was waiting for some King James prayer. Are you with me? Hey, God, this is Rick, and he screwed up. I'm thinking, wow, this is great counseling. See, I'd already been in and out of a lot of rehabs by this time. I'd already, I knew the, the speak. Are you with me? I knew the words to say, and I had no words to say. He's like, he prayed, and here's what I remember that prayer. God, every time Rick gets out of your will, let it be like thorns. Uh, dude, that's really weird. That's really weird. How many know that's weird? Like you're looking for help. Someone's praying thorns on a dude. And then every time he gets in, into the stuff that he's not supposed to be, there, just let it be like dust in his mouth. Wow. Can I tell you I was tripping? See, I, I went there half high anyways, and then this dude is like preaching and, and praying a country western song on a dude. Amen? I'm like, dude, I, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I, I just want out of here. He's like, now you're going to pray. I said, God, I need your help. Amen. That's how long that was. I want it out of there as fast as I possibly could go. Now, can I tell you, I had questions. I got in my car pulled my pack of cigarettes and smoked that cigarette, no relief, none. I was like, man, I need to get high. I went and got stoned. I couldn't even get stoned. Turns out I could get arrested, though. <laughs> you laugh, but that's a true story, man. And the next, uh, like, eight, eight to nine months was just pure hell for me. And I kept hearing, Rick, I love you. God has a plan for you. 
and dudes, thorns and dust. I have questions. Next slide. I have questions. I have questions. I have questions. I'm even questioning the IT guy right now. Peter Drucker considered the, the father of management, of the management movement. And he said this, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Can I tell you that if you don't address the culture within your family, that when you come to church, that will infect the church? If you don't, so a lot of times we have great plans. I've got vision. But you've got to address the culture first. See, even though I was having this experience with God, there was a culture within me. Are you, are you guys getting what I'm saying? That was wounded, that was broken, that was unregenerated. So, God speaks to me about Alfred. Dude's got horns tattooed on his head. How many know that's, you're dedicated? You're dedicated when you got horns tattooed on your head, bro. God says, I got a plan for him. So you know what? I prayed for him, and you'll never guess what I prayed for him. Dust and thorns, baby. It worked on me. It's going to work on him. I like to tell you it happened immediately, but I just kept praying. And then he got saved. And I'm not talking like... I think, I'll, I think I might follow Jesus. I'm talking he got radically saved. And then he became an evangelist. And not just like an ordinary, like you would think. He's like, you know, Rick, I feel like God wants me to go to like celebrate recoveries and, and Alcoholics Anonymous and those kinds of things and just talk about Jesus. I'm like, you go, dude. I said, are you going to get, no, I'm not doing that. I always wanted to get his horns off his head. He's like, no, that's part of my testimony. That's what I was. This is who I am. The difference, the difference of the story, bro. The difference, the difference of the hero. See, I had no idea that the Lord was creating heroes. Are you with me? Like, so here I'm preaching this last weekend at Assembly God Church. Just a little bit different, but I talked about Alfred. And I talked about, I mean, how many of you know that's pretty unique if you got horns tattooed on your head anyways? So I get done, altar call, praying for people. It's awesome. God is good. Amen. This kid comes up. He's a worship leader. He's like, he looks like, he's visibly shaken, man. He's like, hey, man, I know that guy. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. He's like, yeah. And he was at one of those dare things talking about Jesus. And I think his name is Alfredo. I was like, because I didn't mention his name. But he would love it that I'm talking about it. He'd be like, yeah. The stories we tell, the heroes we create, and the things we celebrate. See, the story I tell, let me get on my eyeballs, change is never comfortable. Did you know that? Like, I always want God to remove the painful stuff 
in the most painless way. Like, amen, are you with me? Like you're praying, God, give me character. Then he sticks you in this place where you have to have character that you don't have yet. Right? God, give me patience. Don't ever pray that. God, give me strength. Put you in a situation where you got to be strong. Like, man, my prayer life's kind of like, Lord, just whatever I need for today. None of that invasive stuff. Amen. I'm joking, but you know. Change is never easy. My wife does not like change. She'll tell you that. I'm always flipping change on her, you know. You know something about that, bro? You better say yeah. <laughs> change is not comfortable. Like if you had a conversation with the moth or the butterfly, they both come out the same deal, right? But one's exponentially better looking. <laughs> but if you had a conversation with that butterfly in the middle of its cocoon, what would it have to say? What would be the story that that butterfly would say in the midst of its confinement? What would the story be? And I think sometimes, church, our story hasn't been redeemed yet. We're still telling the story from our pain. And we need some so-so. We need Jesus' healing on that story. I'm divorced. I'm a drug addict. I'm an outcast. Do you know how many outcasts I deal with that think God has no use for them? I love seeing a heroin addict get free. I love seeing a fentanyl addict get free. It's the most amazing thing. It's the power of God. It helps me testify about God's grace because I'm experiencing something that's supernatural, that's beyond human description. Can I buy an amen? So change is never easy, however necessary, as a follower of Christ. Do we agree? So how do I tell the stories that matter? The story demonstrates what we value how we value people and honor those around us. The heroes I create in my life. What heroes have I created? What heroes have you created? With my family, with my friends, amen? With my influence, everybody say influence. You have influence, church, beyond these walls. You have power, supernatural power, living inside of you. And most of us know that, but we have such a hard time believing it. What? See, I, all right, here we go. Do you know there's a lot of people with perfect theology and no faith? Have you met them? You can have perfect theology and not an ounce of faith. I've been there. I've been in this longest program, building program in the history of the Assemblies of God in Arizona. It started in 2008, and it's still going on today. Amen. And at some point, that story was, I'm a victim of the municipalities. Have you ever had God rebuke you real good? 
That's good, because that means you're not illegitimate. But, man, I was telling some, I was whining about the story. Man, man, man it's so hard. I can't believe this building program stinks. Somebody said, oh, it's going to be great. It's not fun. Don't ever do that. Oh, dude. Like, I listened to some of the conversations in my head that I've said, and I'm like, what a little girl. What a whiny little dude. And God rebuked me. He says, what's the story you want people to know about that building? About the power of God? About the miracles that I've done? Or about how difficult it's been for you? Uh, the other one, Lord. The one where you get all the glory. Not the one where I'm the victim. The heroes I create. So I created some heroes in that. How many know God, Jehovah Sneaky? Amen. First time I heard that term, Jehovah Sneaky, was from Bill Johnson years ago. And uh, been just absolutely loved it, so I made it my own. I haven't paid Bill any money for that either. Jehovah Sneaky. You guys can shout me down on my theology. It's okay. I'm still keeping it. So our building project was $5.5 million. Am I okay? Are we doing okay on time? All right. So the building project started out at $3.5 million. Now it's at $5.5 million. Thank you, COVID. And as you're watching all the building costs go up, and all the production go down, it makes you nervous as a, as a pastor, as a director, because like, to give you guys what it's like to be a director, it'd be like all of you guys moving in with pastor and his wife for a year. And then making sure you're living for Jesus. Any takers? Pastor Daniel, no one raised their hand. And my congregation does a tithe. That was funny, bro. Come on. <laughs> Costs are going up. I'm like, man, God. And God's, God's doing something in me. He's rebuking me. He's telling me, hey, I got this. He's like, I have a building program. And it ain't that building. It's you. Have you ever been there where you get the realization that all the stuff you're experiencing is about God getting you to a place where he can really do something? Where you're not captive by the brokenness? Where you're not captive by the old narrative of what a victim you are? Where you're not captive by what has happened to you, church? Amen? That you are now being in a place of transformation. Man, I couldn't even buy an amen right there. The Pentecostal side got it. Transformation is where it's at. Amen? It's where it's at. And we're never done. Amen. I don't know about you all, but I'm kind of hard-headed. And so Jehovah Sneaky has to come around sometimes in the back door and go, come on, dude. I'm talking to you, bro. Some of the men will get that later. Oh, that's what he meant. 
sneaky guy. The heroes we create or illustrate demonstrate not only what we believe, but how we believe it. Have you ever lived in the drama triangle? The drama triangle is where you're the victim, there's a villain, and you're in need of a hero. God does not want us to live in that paradigm. Amen? God has not, has not designed you to be the victim. Praise the Lord. Something's got to break. Man, I was like, I know what's got to break in me. Pride. I don't know about you all, man, but I can be pretty stubborn. I can be pretty willful, even after Jesus has done all the stuff he's done in me. You know what I found out? I need Jesus on the daily. Isn't that crazy? Like, it was easy for me to believe I needed Jesus Church when I was a drug addict and needed deliverance. Amen? So after you get delivered from the drug addiction and you start getting healed, amen, but you're still doing some of the stupid stuff you did prior, you're like, wait a minute, I still need Jesus. And I'm more desperate for him now than I was then. And whether your greatest sin is shooting heroin, pornography, adultery, whatever, or eating Twinkies at 2 a.m. in the morning, we were all going to the same hell. That's a, that's a sobering thought. I need Jesus. I need him more today than I did yesterday. I need you more. You love those songs, right? The things I celebrate. What we celebrate brings value, honor, and clarity to what I love. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to love someone that's lovable? How hard is it to love somebody that has hurt you. Nobody can hurt me like my wife. Nobody can hurt my wife like me. Amen? You're like, amen. What are you talking about, bro? What do you mean by that? See, Marie really loves me, but she also really knows me. And the greatest gift of grace I've ever had the realization of is that she really knows me. She knows all of me. And she still chooses to love me. Did you hear what I said? She still chooses to love me. God's grace is amazing like that. He knows everything about you, and he still chooses to love you. Oh, we love that. Here's what I've learned. If you're not fully known, I'm, I'm going to come down here. If you're not fully known in your relationships, you can't be fully loved. And the desperate thing of the human heart is to be fully known and fully loved. Do you have people that fully know you or just know about you? 
Are you your own press agent where you're just giving out the good clips? None of the bad clips. See, if you're not fully known, you can't be fully loved. So my stories have changed. I celebrate different stories now. I love telling stories about guys that were wounded beyond, beyond I mean, some of the stories I, can't, I couldn't tell you because they're just bad. But to see God rescue them. I'm going to tell you one. I had a kid that went through your program, and he was broken. His mom used to sell him to her biker friends for money as a little boy. He was broken. He didn't want no one to love him. He didn't want no one near him. He didn't want anyone, because in his economy of love and exchange equaled abuse. Do you know God was able to heal that? And I'd love to tell you that it's a beautiful story, but man, it was painful for me too. Because when you're reaching in to a trapped animal, you're going to get bit sometimes. When you're reaching over the pit of hell to pull people out, guess what? You get burned sometimes. But isn't that what God's called us to do? Go get that one. Go get that one. Go get that one. Man, I'm so glad Paul came and got me. I was terrified to be in that car with Paul, right? So me and Paul are still really close to this day. And we laugh about it because he's like, yeah, Rick, I, I know you were scared, but you have to look at it from my perspective. You were a known felon and a drug dealer on crystal meth. I was a little bit more terrified than you. <laughs> Bet. Gotcha. What are the things we celebrate? How well do I love the unlovable? How well do I do that? How well do I love? How, how well do I sacrifice is a better word. And I'll close with this. I'll be like Moses and let my people go. Change the culture, church. You change a man, change a woman, you change a family. You change a family, you change a church. You change a church, you change a city, and then the world is at your doorstep. What's your scorecard when you think about God and souls and church? Well, usually they're like, how many people are in it? How many people showed up in the church? We're growing, we're growing. Well, then I know your scorecard is numbers. My scorecard has changed, and now it's quality of relationships. And the more transparent, vulnerable, and honest they are, that's my scorecard. Go for that one. Everybody in here has got one that you can go after. Amen? Change your culture. 
So we started telling different stories at home. God's the hero, obviously, amen? But here's, here's the better stuff. Hey, did you see so-and-so came to the altar, gave his life to Jesus? Yeah, you know the guy that was just dropping F-bombs at you yesterday? Yeah, that guy. So, so my scorecard's changed. It's a good thing, church. It really is. I would love to see the church is full of men. Amen. I'm not a chauvinist. I'm not a chauvinist. All right? I'm not. I'm not. My wife helps, helps me tremendously. In fact, she's the boss. She tunes me into the spirit. But she gets her strength from me. I saw her looking at you, Brenton. My wife helps me tune into the Spirit of God, man. She helps me see things, right? Praise the Lord. I need that. God, I have it. But I'm super, super willful when it comes to things of God. I wish it wasn't always like that. Like, once you get me tuned into what God wants me to do, you better get out of my way. Amen? I'm doing it. So here's what Edwin Lewis Cole says. Love gives at the cost of self for the benefit of others. I love that definition because it helps me put practical terms to how I love. It's not just the feeling, amen? It's the action of it. Let us love not in words only but in deed and truth. And lust, and generally speaking, whenever we hear the word lust, we go right to the sexual stuff. But it's, it's a much more encompassing deal. It's talking about the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It's talking about greed. It's talking about all that stuff. Lust is a very big thing. Can we agree to that? But here's what lust does. It takes at the cost of others for the benefit of self. So, so does that make sense, church? That takes it to another level like, oh, oh. Lusting for what you can't have. Praise the Lord. The can't haves can be very powerful. Right? It can drive us. That's how we started this journey this morning. What drives you? Things that have driven me have changed. They still need help. Do you still need, do you still need help? Yes. So my, my prayer for you, church, and let me just do this. How many of you say, I hear that was for me, raise your hand. Okay. All you stand up there, raise your hand. Because can I be honest with you? I preach what God is doing in me. I don't preach, I don't preach uh, theory. <laughs> I'm no good at it anyways. I always preach what God's doing in me. So look around. So God's doing something new. So let me say this again. How do we change our culture? We got to change it at home. We got to change it in here, right? Like, what's the story I'm telling about myself? I'm a loser. I'm unlovable. 
I'm divorced. My husband is drunk, whatever. I've heard many of those stories. Change the story. Change the story. There's still some truth in there. God purchased you. Amen? You have been bought with a price. Like, dude, you may be experiencing some rejection, but the one that really matters did not reject you. Amen? You got to change the story. What are the heroes you're creating in your life? You know, when, when God went after Alfred, he became a hero to people that did not have Jesus. What kind of heroes are you creating, right? By what you watch, by what you celebrate, amen? What heroes are you creating, amen? What, what things have, have, have your attention, really? What heroes are you creating? And lastly, what do you celebrate? What do you actively celebrate? Man, I'm going to tell you, that's a deep one. We could spend all day on that, but I won't do that because I love you. So I want to pray for you, okay? Can we do that? Father, I just pray. Say, man, this is for me. I'm no longer a victim. I'm no, I'm no longer caught in the drama triangle, Lord, of constantly needing a hero. God, I'm going to create some heroes. Lord, I'm tired of rehearsing this victim story. God, I am not a victim. Lord, some bad things have happened, but that doesn't define who I am, God. I'm yours. I've been bought by a price. I'm that one you went after. I have worth. God, help me celebrate. Celebrate what you're doing. Not just what is happening. But, Lord, let me grab a hold of that word that I could be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Lord, help me hold on to the horns of your altar, God. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over this precious body of church, over this precious body of believers, over this precious movement. God, I pray that you would have your way. Lord, I, you don't have to be a prophet to know there's people hurting. So, Lord, I pray for those that are holding on to just a sliver of hope. Amen. There's, there's a couple of you that have just been barely hanging on. Can I, just, can I just speak a word over you right now that the peace that surpasses all human understanding will guard your heart and your mind that's his promise, that peace that we can't even understand. Lord, I pray for hope to come back, that they'll put their hope back in you, not on the outcome. Put hope in you, not in the outcome. That's a good word, amen? Put our hope back in you, Jesus. I thank you so much that you hear us when we pray, Lord, because of what you did. I don't have to work it up. I don't have to manufacture it. God, I just simply got to walk into your room. Lord, I need help. And so, Father, I thank you for this new season at Awaken Life Church. I thank you, Lord, that you're doing a new thing. Lord, help us to really realize Hebrews 12, 
14 and 15, to pursue peace with all men, to pursue holiness, amen. Lord, to let, make sure that no one falls short of your grace. God, we just love you. We thank you so much for being with us today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.